0: S P Jesus. S&P 500, program trade by Level 1. This is your wake-up call, pal. Go to work. Okay, this episode is brought to you by MasterclassTrader.com. If you want to trade and don't have a plan or don't know where to start, start with MasterclassTrader.com. The masterclasses will give you the tools and techniques to supercharge your trading. Whether you want to position trade or scalping your thing, don't mess around with the free online garbage out there. Go to masterclasstrader.com for unbiased professional level content. And for a 20% discount on the DOM bootcamp and the advanced spreading masterclass, use the code TRADINGWITHGB. That's all one word, no spaces, TRADINGWITHGB. If you're not where you want to be right now as a trader, then go to MasterClassTrader.com. 20% off, folks. Okay, so today we're going to talk a little bit about crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. And in this podcast, we're going to cover five things. What actually is crude oil? Factors affecting the crude oil market. The most commonly traded products for crude oil. And some more fun stuff, we're going to talk about market correlations and a few ideas for trading crude. First up, what is crude oil? Well, as far as a tradable product, there's always some excitement that goes along with trading oil. It it seems more exciting to trade with other markets. You know, perhaps it was, you know, for my generation, maybe it was all those old TV shows and movies that had those rags to riches stories. Um, A bit before my time was James Dean in Giant uh, with that huge cowboy hat. Uh, JR in Dallas with that huge cowboy hat, uh, they were all kind of rags to riches stories. There was the movie There Will Be Blood and, of course, the Beverly Hillbillies, all kind of rags to riches stories surrounding the crude oil market or crude oil exploration. Um, and all that rags to riches stuff is the same reason we became traders, right? So it kind of appeals to us in a way. Uh, I used to have a mate who would always yell out crude oil uh, in the loudest, biggest American voice he possibly could um, whenever he was trading it. Um, He never yelled out coffee or soybeans uh, or hogs. It didn't have the same kind of ring to it. um, Unless he was ordering a coffee, maybe. I I don't know. Anyway, so I'm not the only one that thinks like that, right? It's an exciting market to trade. But anyhow, look, let's talk some definitions and get on with a few other things. Uh, So you may have heard of the term light, sweet, crude oil. At the very least, you've heard of crude oil. I've said it about five times already. Uh, But light, sweet, crude oil... Uh, is essentially a grading of the of the state and the quality of the oil. Crude means it's unprocessed, right? It's the stuff in the barrels. Uh, sweet refers to the oil having a low sulfur content. Sounds a bit technical, but it means something. Um, with the lower sulfur content, it smells nicer. Some say it tastes nicer. I don't want to. I don't know who the guy is that figured that one out, but that's why they call it sweet. Right. Why it's important is because it needs less processing as opposed to a sour oil or a higher sulfur content oil. Okay. Uh, the light refers to its density uh, and how easy it pours and, and again, how easy it is to refine. So light, sweet, crude oil is a type of crude oil that is easier to refine. It's become a benchmark. You may have heard of West Texas Intermediate, WTI. You often see that one quoted in the news just as much as crude oil. Uh, That is a benchmark crude oil price, which is generally a light, sweet crude oil, Uh, a US-based oil. Uh, But it's not the only benchmark. There are probably about 10 or 15, maybe more benchmark prices around the world. There's tapas in Malaysia. Uh, There's a couple of benchmark prices out of um, the Middle East. There's Brent in the North Sea. You probably hear Brent, that's probably the second most uh, popular one that's traded uh, from a futures point of view anyway. Uh, but for the most part, we're going to stick with West Texas. So when I say crude or oil, I'm talking about the one that's traded um, out of the US, out of the CME, uh, which we'll talk about some contract specs for that one in a minute. So what is crude oil used for, apart from the obvious? Uh, pretty much almost everything that's around you right now. First up, there's gasoline, of course. There's diesel, there's jet fuel, uh, and then there's heating oil, right? Uh, They make up for about 75% of the daily use of crude oil. But there's also petrochemicals that are used to make plastics. And about 10% of the world's uh, daily production is used to make plastic, and about half of that is packaging. So think of of this, about 5% of the daily crude oil production is for packaging. How about that? Uh, The process of crude oil, the process of processing, if you like, of crude oil is called cracking. So you may remember that term from chemistry class, if you did chemistry. Uh, But what it does to cracking a barrel of crude oil essentially produces two core products, heating oil and gasoline. and, And that's the majority of what comes out of a barrel of crude. So those two markets are also available as, as, uh, as tradable markets, tradable futures contracts. There's heating oil, gasoline, and if you like, a parent product, which is crude oil. Um, and spread traders do trade the spread between those. So there is a trading opportunity. I'll get more into spreads in a minute. But there is a trading opportunity there. Uh, so let's first talk about some price drivers, what moves the market. Right? First and foremost, crude is a think of it like a macro commodity. Um, That is, the global macroeconomic picture affects crude and crude affects global macroeconomics. When there's talk of trade wars or tariffs, it affects crude oil. If you go look at a chart and run it up next to Donald Trump's um, tweets about trade wars and so on, you'll see it affects crude oil. Um, On the domestic front, things like inflation, economic growth, those kind of macroeconomic numbers all affect the price of crude oil. The stronger the economy, the more oil products are produced and therefore drives the price higher. Uh, Weather is a big determinant of the crude oil price. When it's cold and wet, you drive your car less, right? Uh, So driving habits, school holidays, all of those things affect crude oil. Um, The combination of weather... If you think of it like this, weather and overall driving habits make crude oil a seasonal market. Right? So crude tends to be strong in January, February, March, April, flat through the middle of the year through to October, and weaker towards the end of the year. That's a that's a seasonal trend in crude oil. And that creates trading opportunities. Uh, uh, you may have heard of OPEC too, O P E C the oil. Uh, and Petroleum, Organisation for Petroleum Exporting Countries, that's it. Uh, They That organisation, it's essentially a cartel of, I think it's about 15 countries, mostly Middle Eastern countries, that essentially, it's like an industry body, a lobby group, if you like, for um, the crude oil market. And they set uh, a, um, a maximum production per day for crude oil for those member countries. Those member countries don't have to stick to it, of course, uh, but they generally do. Uh, in the last year, for example, uh, OPEC have been trying to tighten up production and therefore push the price higher. Um, it hasn't worked so much. Uh, but um, that's what essentially they do. OPEC tends to have a more of a shorter-term impact on prices than a longer-term one uh, because the OPEC countries aren't the only... Uh, petroleum producing countries there's america there's canada there's up in the north sea there's russia there's plenty of other uh, south america of course there's uh, there's plenty of other countries that produce oil that aren't in opec so uh, opec i think used to be a heck of a whole lot more significant than it is now Uh, it could be my imagination but I, i i think uh, it's it has less of an impact on the market. It can have a short term impact, like I said, but not so much of a long term one. But if you're trading crude oil, there's one thing you have to keep your eye out for headlines is, is OPEC announcements. Right. Uh, so let's have a talk about correlations. So uh, you've got the we're talking again about the West Texas contract. Uh, it's about ninety eight percent correlated to Brent. 96% with ho- uh, heating oil and uh, 92 with gasoline. Uh, with the stock market, it's about 65% correlation. That's your um, your correlation coefficient, it's about uh, 0.65. Uh, uh, th- and there's also a correlation with interest rates or bond futures, treasuries, uh, but it's what I call a variable correlation in the sense that uh, when major things happen like those economic announcements, so there's GDP and inflation, unemployment, uh, payrolls, uh, that's when the markets tend to correlate a bit more than when they're doing their own thing, when there's no news coming up and they go off and do their own thing. So you have that kind of variable correlation. Uh, that, that creates implications for when you are trading those event, um, those event nights or event days. Um, but these correlations all make for good trades, right? especially when markets are moving quickly. Okay, so what are the contracts that we look at when we trade, when we want to trade oil or crude oil? Now, there's a stack. There's an absolute, there's a very long list of uh, energy-related products around the world. There's too many that to go into here. Uh, the main one, as I mentioned, is the LightSuite contract on NYMEX, which is part of the CME. Uh, the code for that is CL on most platforms, CLE on CQG. Uh, but if you type in CL on most platforms, for example, TT, type in CL, it'll come up. It's a thousand barrel contract, meaning $1 move is a $1,000 uh, per contract uh, or, or uh, 10 cents a barrel, uh, 10 cents a tick. It's a one cent tick. Uh, it has monthly expirations for about 10 years out. Of course, the most active ones are the near months. Um, and the, the most active one is the nearest to expiry months. Uh, so a few months out, you, it really thins out. Um, In terms of market depth, generally, if you see 20, 30, 50 uh, lots on a particular price, that's quite normal. Um, In the aftermarket, after uh, in the US evening session, you'll see uh, in between 10 and 30, maybe 40 uh, at each nearby price in the depth. It has a huge options market too. Now, there are a lot of different types of options contracts out there. A lot of them don't trade. Uh, the main one is the American monthly options, the ones that are in line with the monthly futures contracts. Funny about that. 50-cent uh, strike intervals, which makes it that's nice and tight, which means you, it, it's good for uh, creating your, your multi-legged spreads, uh, your horizontals, diagonals, and so on. So that $0.50 strike interval is important for um, getting on a lot of or coming up with a few different combinations of trades. Um, In terms of trading the future, some trading strategies. Let's talk about that. Uh, Scalping the crude oil market, a lot of people do it. It is tricky. It's not not like trading a treasury bond. Uh, The crude oil market is very volatile. It's not as crazy as gold gets, jittery, if you like. Uh, daily On a daily basis, you probably see the market trade about a $1.80, $2 range. Of course, that varies you know, from month to month or whatever, but uh, think of it as a, about a, a $2 range, which means a $2,000 range if you're scalping. Uh, event trading, things like trading news, as I mentioned before, uh, it's a macro economy, therefore is affected by those macro announcements. Uh, the, the GDPs and the payrolls and so on. So trading the market over events is a, is much like trading the E-mini. Um, and it is a spreadable market too, in those situations. All right. um, there is what I mentioned before, the crack spread, which is a spread between heating oil, gasoline and crude. It's a very actively traded spread among professional spreaders. So you'll probably find those spreads pretty tight. Uh, so I think unless you focus on them full-time, you might not see the benefit of trading them. More positional-based spreads. Longer-term seasonal spreads are a great way to look at this market. Uh, example, uh, selling December, buying April. In October, 13 out of the last 15 years, that spread has been profitable to the tune of about dollar fifty. It's about a, a trade that lasts about a month by selling the December contract, buying the April contract right? and that yields about $1. $.50 per contract. as I said, 13 out of the last 15 times it's been right. It's pretty good odds. There's no guarantee it'll happen next October though, but you know what, what else have we got to go off right? Uh, so calendar spreads also across big uh, events can be a good one to trade. So that's something to, if you're going to follow spreads, watch how they behave over those uh, those events and they'll behave differently from uh, how they'd behave on any other day. So if you're looking to start trading crude, there's two ways you can go about it. One is the scalping way. right? But don't approach it like you would a treasury bond. You've got to be a bit more liberal with your targets and your stops and uh, be a bit more proactive with your queue positioning in terms of pulling orders and so on when you need to and just watch that those jittery movements over things like data releases um uh, different times of the day when the market's open close all of that kind of stuff uh so just be really careful if you're going to scalp be a bit wider a bit more flexible yeah? it means you're kind of uh, a bit more of a sniper a bit more waiting for the right trade uh as opposed to in out in out what you might do in a in a um in a tighter market uh for the longer term traders seasonal trading is probably the best way to go Uh, It's logical. Like I said, that trade, selling December, buying April for about a month during October 13. Don't go and do it, by the way, just because I said that. You've got to research these things. But 13 out of the last 15 years, it's been profitable. I mean, I love those statistics. They make a lot of sense, right? So uh, if you have the right database and you know where to look, you can find all that data out and you can look back further than 15 years. Look back 30 years, if you like. but um, that's, I think that's a great way to go about it. Next week, join us to profile a different market. These podcasts are all about expanding your knowledge. Remember, as traders, we must have broad knowledge. That's what these podcasts are for. For now, if you like the podcast, save it, share it with a friend, write about it, tell someone, tell your mum. Or even just head over to masterclasstrader.com and sign up for the free newsletter so you'll know when the next one comes out. This episode was brought to you by Masterclass Trader. If you want to trade and don't have a plan or don't know where to start, start with MasterclassTrader.com. The masterclasses will give you the tools and techniques to supercharge your trading. Whether you're going to scalp or position trade or do anything in between that, don't mess around with all that free online garbage and you know how much I hate that stuff. Go to MasterclassTrader.com for unbiased professional level content. And remember that 20% discount, folks. If you want to sign up to the DOM bootcamp or the advanced spreading masterclass, you can get a 20% discount just for listening to this podcast and typing in the code trading with GB when it comes to that shopping cart bit at the end. That's one word, trading with GB, and that gets you 20% off. If you're not where you want to be right now, as a trader, that is, then go to masterclasstrader.com. Signing off for now. See you next time.